Welcome back, AAP subscribers and AAP podcast listeners. Chris Versace here, and once again, I am joined by my friend, your friend, Todd Campbell, editor of the Street Smarts product, and an all-round swell kind of guy, even though he's sporting a Boston Red Sox baseball hat. Todd, I don't know why you have that hat on. Uh, as you and I were kind of joking earlier, um, nothing good is going on there. What What are you thinking? Hey, hope, hope springs eternal. That's going to be my message for the day for listeners. <laughs> optimism, a dash of optimism. All right, right. well, let's... Always next year. Let, <laughs> well, uh, Todd, uh, that might be the case for the Red Sox. Are, are you saying that you expect a better stock market in 2024? Or, or are you in the camp that thinks that we could see uh, a year-end rally emerge? I'm, I'm actually going to be more bullish than probably most people are going to... Um, encounter in the media right now. I feel like there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. And uh, I think there are some green shoots that we might want to just keep in mind. Well, let's let's start today's podcast with that, Todd, because, you know, uh, as you know, and AAP subscribers know, I, I am a data guy and I'm constantly uh, updating my investment tapestry, my investment mosaic or whatever fancy word you want to use, because as we know, investing is really, um, it's not like a crock pot, fix and forget it. You've really got to continue to evolve your thinking based on what's happening um, you know, in the economy, in a particular uh, sector, if you will, although uh, people know I don't really care for the talk sector, I prefer thematics. But you've also got to layer on what's going on on the geopolitical front. And of course, now we've got two wars going on. I think the last time, Todd, you and I chatted on this podcast, uh, there was no Israel-Hamas issue. So, of course, that's another wrinkle. But, uh, but I'm curious, Todd, because, you know, from my vantage point, the economy is clearly stronger than expected. Inflation, however, seems to be not receding as fast. And recent data seems to suggest that, hmm, it might be accelerating. I continue to be concerned about uh, wage pressures. Um, there's a lot of reasons to think that you know wage inflation is not going to go away quietly anytime soon. So uh, you know, again, always trying to keep an open mind. Todd, talk to me about these green shoots. All right. Well, just we'll start off with inflation. Okay. So inflation sticky. That's the argument, right? Everybody said. We're going to be higher for longer on interest rates because inflation, you know, is it is still a problem. Okay, yes, inflation is higher than two percent, right? The Fed's stated target of two percent. Way, and that's going to, way higher. Yeah, and that's going well, you know. But let's all about time horizons, right? So where was inflation? Where was CPI inflation of June 2022? Nine percent. Now we're sub 4%, yeah, right? So the directional, the directionality of inflation, it has I improved. I, I, don't think anybody, I don't think anybody's arguing that, Todd, but let me, let, let me just stop you in your tracks right there because if you look at the CPI data, the PPI data, it's actually the last few months started to tick the wrong way. Why though? Tell me, why? Energy. Okay, energy. And right. what's happened? And what's happening now? Okay, so you get gasoline prices took off in the late summer, and yep. everybody's like, "Oh my God, look at what this is going to do to inflation." Headline number is going to increase. Yeah, yeah. Sure no, no, absolutely. We saw absolutely. that. 
Now, yeah. gasoline, despite war in Israel, I mean, this is there's a seasonality component, listeners, that you got to pay attention to when it comes to gasoline. They do the winter grade switchover every year between September 15 and October 15. It's cheaper to produce winter grade fuel. So by the nature, just, just because of that, you tend to see gasoline prices retreat in the fall. And this is something we were talking about in the smarts back in September. Don't extrapolate. Be careful extrapolating out gasoline prices and the problem that they're going to have for inflation. Now, we're down this the most recent inflation number. I just picked it up, pulled it up earlier before the show. Last week, $3.70 a gallon, down from $4 a gallon a month ago and $4 a gallon the year before. Now, if you look at Gas Buddy's data, data right, they're crunching tens of thousands of gas stations across the nation. You've got 25,000 stations that are already under $3 a gallon. And the average as of today is $3.50, which is down about 12% in the past month. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm, despite mm-hmm. war in Israel. So you've got shelter, which lags, which is going to continue to put downward pressure on inflation. You had the temporary uptick in gasoline that was flowing through, right, and causing some problems. PPI isn't horrible. I mean, I don't think, you know, I mean, you've tracked PPI more than I do, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I look at it and I say, directionally over the span of, of a longer period of time than two or three months, mm-hmm. are we making improvements toward oh. inflation? And we are, and we there's, are. There's, but then you no, say to yourself, okay, what's likely for the Fed to do? Now, I'm going to ask you another question, Chris. What do you think is Powell more dovish in his commentary than he was six months ago, nine months ago, 12 months ago? I would say, well, so you're talking on on a relative basis. I would say that he's incrementally uh, more dovish. Agreed. However, 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 um, you know, when you see the Atlanta Fed at 5.4%, which is clearly off the charts, and you take a look at all the news around for wage gains. And he, and I'm not talking the employment report, right? I'm talking the Teamsters UAW contract. I'm talking Hormel Foods, talking, uh, announcing a record, uh, you know, wage increase for its employees. We see what's going on out in California with fast food going to 20 bucks an hour from 1550. All I'm saying, Todd, is we have made great progress, but there are reasons to think that we that the future pace of progress may not be as fast as some people are hoping for. That's all. Oh, that's true. But directionally, wage inflation is also shrinking. So yes, you have wage inflation problems, but the question is, are real wages growing? And now real wages are positive again. So that's actually supportive of the economy. Now, we've seen services backing off, right? The PMI for services falling to, what, 51 or something like that. Yep. You're seeing the PMI for manufacturing increase. I think we were, what, 49 last month? Three consecutive months in a row? That's still yeah. contraction. Less but bad. you're seeing manufacturing improve. So the question will be, will services stay above 50? It needs to, right? It's two-thirds of the economy. Mm-hmm. And then if manufacturing can flip back above 50, well, that's that's pretty good. Now, again, you're going to say, well, that's inflationary, but it's also not a bad thing for earnings. And remember where we were a year ago. All of these companies were saying margin pressures, margin pressures, margin pressures, margin pressures because of inflation. 
So what did that have them do? It had them start to increase prices on goods. Well, now we're having inflation decelerate, right? So prices are still climbing. They're just climbing at a slower rate. But all those price hikes have been sticky, right? So at the consumer level. So margins have, have started to, to improve, right? That's positive for earnings. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that with the third quarter earnings season. We're going to see a continuous, if history plays out, the trend has always been for earnings to climb during the season, right? Because companies under promise, they want to over deliver. And, you know, your expectation going into this third quarter was for negative 0.3% year over year earnings growth. We're already at 0.04% positive earnings growth. And if you look at the last 10 years, it's been revised higher by about 5.4% or something like that every quarter. So that would leave us with something like 5% earnings growth. Now, even if you look at the last year, it's was it risen by a couple percent. So that would give us a little bit better than 1% earnings growth. So again, some green, green shoots, I think, flowing in here that the investors who are just focused on the media doom and gloom may want to just remember that um, before they press the sell button. I, I think those are, are fair comments. Todd, but I, I also have been around long enough, as have you, to recognize that sometimes those green shoots, some green shoots take hold, some do not. And that just brings me back to what I was saying earlier about having to constantly revisit, retest, and evolve. Um, you know, like, you know, some of the things you were saying, like so far this past earnings season, you know, PepsiCo reported and they said, you know what? We will be raising prices next year. You know, it'll probably be higher than we've done in the past, probably in that three to four percent range. Chipotle has come out and said, "Oh, we're going to need to raise prices because of food costs and wages." Netflix last night debuted, you know, new new price tiers higher in the U.S., U.K., and the eurozone. Procter and Gamble still thinking that it's going to lead with pricing as it drives innovation in its products. So, you know, again. Inflation is going to be with us. The question is whether or not, you know, or not whether or not, but how quickly does it return to the Fed's target? I'm just not in the camp that it's going to be as quick as some people hope. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll, well, we'll, if you look we'll, at we'll, equity market returns, though, can have done perfectly fine with inflation running three to four percent historically. I, so yeah. if we can, if we can keep inflation, even if we don't hit the target, that doesn't necessarily mean, right, that that we as investors you know, aren't going to make money in stocks. No, no, no. One, It's 100%. This is not a uh, all or nothing, you know, scenario. There, there's a lot of puts and takes here. History is certainly something to keep in mind, but we also have to remember, though, too, what's different this time around, right? So well, one of the other things, too, the other, that are, is on my mind, Chris, is I'm trying to figure out, you know, read those two tea leaves and look at my hazy crystal ball, right, is, you know, we're not at the same point we were in 2000, coming into 2022, off of 2021, right? No. You know, we've got we've got the same amount of doom and gloom, but we've already wrung a ton out of the system. Um, you know, and and I think that people have to re- recognize that, yeah, okay, there's there's reasons for concern, but we're not nearly as at risk as we were in you know say two th- February or March of 2021 of a major cataclysmic decline in stocks. You know, we saw stocks fall 8.5% from the peak in July through the end of September, 
10% corrections happen once every 15 months. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's that's not out of bounds to see that. Now, if you look at just more recently since October 3rd, the S&P 500, that was October 3rd, the reason I picked October 3rd was two reasons. That's when the S&P 500 bottomed for the month. We're actually mm -hmm. up about 2.8% since then. It was also when treasury yields first spiked to 4.8%, 10-year treasury yields. Now, 10-year treasury yields have now since climbed. They're at 4.94%, mm -hmm. yet the stock market is still above that 10.3 low. Now, is that a positive divergence? I don't know. Time will tell. But if I do my chart art, I look at it and I say, I could see the S&P 500 having pretty good levels of support if you connect all the bottoms leading from the October of 2022 up through um, where we are currently, uh, down to the low 420s on the S&P 500 ETF trust, SPY. So low 420s. Uh, and that's only a couple percent. I mean, we're, we're within shooting distance from that, right? We're at four, I think 431 or something like that on the SPY. So my feeling would be that, you know, we've, we're in a typical October tough period where there's a lot of give and take, <clears throat> a lot of back and forth. Um, but I don't see anything in the performance where we are right now. I don't see anything that makes me think that we that there's no chance that we get the back end rally in November or December, or that the seasonal strength that we normally see between November and say May has been should be discarded. Do you think the rally that we tend to see, you know, November, December, sometimes it begins in early October, sometimes later October, earnings can be an influence, no doubt. But do you think it will be as widespread as it has been in the past? Or do you think it's more likely to be, uh, you know, certain sectors that do better? Uh, I think it could be pretty widespread. And I think the reason I say that is if you look at the advanced decline line, it's been, you know, trending back down again. Um, so that means there's fewer stocks that have been participating lately. And but we're still, you know, in, an, in a long again, a long term uptrend on the advanced decline line dating back to, you know, the October of 2022 lows. I think that we'll find our footing at some point breath will start to expand, more stocks will participate, and you typically get a good rally in these small cap stocks, and small cap stocks have just absolutely been demolished. Right. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me if we see the Russell 2000, you know, pre present some pretty solid returns. And of course, you know, if that happens, then yeah, you'd have, I guess, more more stocks participating than, than just the magnificent so-called seven. <laughs> And, and is the catalyst that you're looking for, Todd, is, is there something positive on the horizon or is it possible that it could be better inflation data? Um, clearly, if the economy strengthens further, that may not necessarily be a positive. Uh, that can kind of cut either way. But it, are, are you looking for Washington to get its act together? Are you looking for Israel, Hamas to be settled? Are you... Uh, thinking that the holiday shopping season might be better than expected. I, I'm just trying to get a gauge for what you think could actually, if you will, flip the switch to, to let that rally all of a sudden uh, appear. Well, I think the holiday sales are expected to climb by, what, 4%, something like that. I, I don't think yep. it'll be a fantastic holiday quarter, but I don't think it'll be, um, I don't think it'll be horrible. Uh, I do think earnings. Hang on, hang on. Earnings before, before you say anything, just on yeah. the holiday sales, 
I most of them tend to track it as November, December. Yep. Right. Some will have November, December, January. What none of them do, and this is where I think there'll there'll, there'll be some issues this year. None of them have adjusted even earlier to October. And mm. I think just just given some things that have happened, including Amazon's uh, Prime, you know, big deal days, big big day, prime day, what whatever it was called. <laughs> In, right. in October and the corresponding things that have happened, plus the fact that Best Buy is doing its um, Black Friday sales as early as October 30th, I read, right? The, I, I, I think those numbers could be a little weaker only because of the pull forward into October. So so I, uh, I, I step off the soapbox there, Todd, turn the mic back to you. Yeah. So yeah. So you asked what would be what would be the catalyst for that? I don't know. I mean, if you look at where we were last fall, um, I think we were all expecting that revenue would decline and earnings were going to continue to decline. I think now we're at a point where we're looking at earnings having trout and we're going to see you know better earnings and I think that we're going to start to see better revenue growth growth again. So again, all that's going to be predicated on the idea that we don't enter uh, enter enter into a recession, right? Um, I mean, that is still a risk, obviously. Something that we're going, you know, we shouldn't well, whistle past the graveyard, right? But I think, on, that we, I think we have a setup where we could get improving revenue and, and earnings. And I think that that could be enough to drive the market higher. All right. So I, I will say this. The odds of a recession, despite the Fed's wacky uh, ma implied math, right, when you look at their September economic projections. Uh, I was on another podcast with Bob Lang. He pointed this out. If you take a look at what it was GDP for the first half of the year, you know, two, 2.1%, you know, the Atlanta Fed has that 5.4% figure. We'll, we'll see, we'll still get more data, but, you know, to hit the Fed's target of GDP for 2023, like something dire has got to happen in the fourth quarter, but there does, there don't seem to be any signs of that happening. So I agree with you that I think a recession is at least for now, off the table, and by that I mean the end of 2023. But I think about what Powell said today at the um, Economic Club of New York, that the economy has to slow to hit the Fed's target. If that's right, you know, it raises questions about what the what the economy could be at some point, you know, in the first half of the year or even the middle of 2024. You know, the Powell bugaboo, it's, but it's growing old, right? I mean, it's like, you know, are they closer to being done than they were seven months ago? Absolutely. I mean, look at yeah, but, now, but now we have no expectation for a November increase, right? One percent increase. There's two things here. December and January, both both of those months, we've seen a pullback in, in the odds of an increase in each of those months. So... I don't know how worried I am that the Fed's going to continue to jack up rates from here. So that's fine. And, and I, I, I um, you know, with a guy with the name Todd Campbell, you, I didn't peg you for a guy who grew up in an Italian household where you just keep talking until the other person backs down. Well done, Todd. <laughs> the, um, what I was going to say, though, is, but there are two, two items here, right? And your comment really only speaks to the first one, which is, when is the Fed done? That's not the same as the Fed starting to cut rates. So, you know, again, the, the, they are going to stay higher for longer. Now, is that May? Is that June? Is it July? Is it September? You know, I think that's going to be, as, as we like to say, TBD. We just well, don't know yet. 
Okay, so the stock market is a discounting mechanism, right? And I think we could both, both agree that it tends to look forward six to nine months. So the question that I would have is, are we going to be done with all rate hikes by April or May of next year? And is it going to be more, late, more or less likely once we push into early 2024 that people are going to spend way less time worrying about what the Fed may do as far as tightening rates? And it becomes way more likely that, you know, by late 2024, early 2025, you're going to have them thinking the other way. Wait a minute. So let me let, let me just parse that because it sounds I I heard what you said. And I'm going to ask you some I'm going to ask you a clarifying question because I don't want the listener to walk away thinking you said something that you maybe didn't mean to say. Okay? So that last part that would seem to suggest and I'm hoping you clarify this that you don't think there's a rate cut coming until late 2024 early 2025. I think that's probably true. So so what you're saying, and again, I want to be crystal clear here, Todd, you don't see any additional rate hikes, but you don't see any rate cuts for up to a year from now. Is that what you're saying? I think that if we didn't get any rate cuts for up to a year from now, it wouldn't be a big deal because we've already priced in rates of, of about 5.25, which is where we are right now. So okay. if we stay at 5.25 for the next 12 months, I think investors are going to look beyond the 5.25 argument and they're, you know, towards what may be happening in 2020, late 2024 and 2025. Because again, the stock market tends to look forward, not backward. Okay. So the only thing I'm going to point out with that is I don't think the market is there yet, right? You, all you got to do is look at the CME FedWatch tool and you can see what the expected rate cuts are. They just started bumping back from May to June. So if it turns out that it's got to reset, it's, if it's got to reset its thinking, right? If it has to reset its thinking to three months from later, that something is going to give and it's going to get bumpy at some point. But we so also what, saw yeah, that this year, Chris. We saw I that know. this year, right? You I, and I were on podcast back in what? January, February saying it's insane for them to think that there's going to be cuts in 2023. And they've continually yep. pushed back, pushed that back. And yet what did stocks do? They had the best six months in God knows how long, and they're up well, 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 you know, 12, 13% year to date. Stop. Yes, due to, due to, as you pointed out earlier, Todd, seven stocks. But most investors nope. own the S&P 500, so that's all they care about. Is the S&P 500 up yeah, double digits this year? Yes, it is. Yeah, I understand that. And I'm, I'm of course, course going to point out the fact that the equal weight S&P 500 is still, flat, at best, flat year to date. Right, but nobody owns the RSP. No, I, I they, look, all, look, they all but, own the S and P five hundred, not the. But other it's place. but it's important for folks that you know you you can get away saying people buy the S and P five hundred. That's true, but not everybody owns all seven of those individual stocks. So, just got to clarify. But I but I agree with you though. The, the the biggest issue, I think that the market has struggled with in terms of na nailing Fed policy has been that the timing had just continues to get pushed out. I mean, if you go back, you know, six months ago, people really thought the Fed was done and it wasn't, right? And people, like, we, like you said a minute ago, you know, rate cuts, pff, I didn't see that coming and we were right. Um, but, you know, that's, that's a big call right now relative to the market expectation, Todd, that there may not be any rate cuts for at least a year. That's all I'm saying. And for your sake, I hope you're right. For investors' sake, 
I hope you're wrong. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. My crystal ball is just as hazy as everybody else's. I only, like you, I'm just, I'm looking at things through multiple lenses and I'm trying to leverage but this the experience is what, that I have and you experience, the experience you have. And but, but I, this, I, I don't know. My feeling is that, that people are going to care less about the Fed as a, as a headwind to stock market valuations in one year. They'll, they're they're going to care less a year from now than they do now. And I, I mean, think about it back in, I don't know, 90, well, I suppose in the fall of 2018, we were talking a lot about the Fed because of uh, policy at the time. And then they started, they backed away from rate hikes in 2019 that helped stocks rally. But I, I feel like, I feel like the things that are weighing down stocks right now are more yeah. likely to have been resolved than gotten worse. I, we, I, I can only say it this way. We will see. <laughs> a year a year is a long time. There's a lot of things that have happened in the last year that, you know, some were expected, some were not. It's, you know, we will see. We will see. Now, I will change. I, I am not married to any of these views. Um, I am data dependent, just like everybody else. I believe that when the information in front of you changes, you should also change if it's warranted. Um, but right now, I yeah, I'm, I'm more constructive on the market than many of you will see. Um, and that hasn't been the right move since late August. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I admit that. But my time horizon is not measured in weeks and it's not measured in months. So but, I think it, a lot of it comes down to how active you are as an investor. Are you a trader and are you going to be trying to play the volatility? OK, that's a different ball ballgame. Uh, if you're a longer term investor, I think you have to take a look at things and say, OK, well, what are the secular tailwinds compared to where we are in the news flow? And just be careful of extrapolating the news of today um you know against these long-term secular the you know your long-term secular thesis in some of these stocks and you know i look at some of the pullbacks that we're seeing recently in stocks like nvidia and tesla and some of these others even apple and if i'm a long-term investor i mean there's a part of me that's like you know you're you're these are not these are not bad place bad places in my opinion to dip your toes in and if you're normally taking a three percent position and say in a particular in stocks maybe take 1% in these things, then look to dollar cost average to some of them. You know what I like about today's podcast, Todd? And I'm going to point this out to the listeners because, you know, as much as it's good to agree with each other, it's even better when you don't. And that might sound a little counterintuitive, but it forces you to think, challenges what your uh, expectations are. And, you know, as a result, you can either you know, incorporate new information, counter arguments, um, or, you know, double down because you, because you've been stress test, you know, that's, that's always good, uh, which is why I enjoy these podcast conversations. Um, it would be too easy if I simply said, see, I was right. No, 100% agree. I always learn more from conversations where we're not fully in agreement than I do from when we're all in a room together and we're all saying, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Usually when everybody's saying, yeah, 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 it's gonna do the complete opposite of what it is that the group think, or as uh, Doug Cass likes to call it, group stick. It's gonna yes. do the complete opposite of that. And I think that, you know, you, there, is a, there is a contrarian, there is a little bit of contrarianness that you need to take into your, into creating good, strong theory. Well, I think, Todd, you've done a good job of that today. 
<laughs> glad to help. I'm sure I'm getting, I'm sure some listeners are going to reach out and be like Todd's Todd's office rocker, but what, you know, what, one of the things I think that, um, you need to do, and if there, there's a lot, right. That we need to do, but one of them is to kind of game scenarios out, right. And assign them certain probabilities. And as more data becomes available, you can kind of you know, tweak the weightings of those probabilities, right? Because there's things change. There's nothing that is certain, except as they say, death and for most people, taxes. Um, you know, so you've got to constantly evolve that landscape. And look, you and I talk both here and offline, excuse me, about various things that are happening in the economy, monetary policy, whatever. And it's like a sliding rule. Right. Does it look more likely? Does it look less likely? And then you kind of alter your perspective. There, there is no they're doing this and that's it. Um, you know, just the way we have to pay attention, you know, to different data for various industries, whether it's, you know, what, you know, the housing data is saying. And by that, I had a piece out earlier this week on AAP to members saying, look, you can't be focused solely on housing starts. You got to pay attention to what's happening in new home sales, because guess what? If they fall, all of a sudden you run the risk of too much inventory building and then your housing starts are going to slow as a result. So, you know, you, you need to understand the puts and takes, but constantly evolve what you're looking at. And with that, Todd, what are you looking at next week? I say that because you've been talking all about earnings. It's a big earnings week. There's not a lot of fresh economic data out there. We'll have to see what happens on the geopolitical landscape, but it's a big week for earnings. We've got, you know, uh, in addition to Alphabet, right? We've got, um, trying to think, I think, I don't think Meta reports next week. I think Apple's the following week, but there's a bun bunch of big tech companies next week. Everybody from, as I said, uh, Google, Microsoft, uh, and a, and a, uh, What's my favorite word these days? Oh, yes, AAP members will recognize this, a gaggle of others. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm most interested in the aggregate um, right now. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier in the show that if you look historically, um, EPS climbs as more reports come in, and it climbs by an average of the last 10 years by about 54 5.6%. Um, which of course would be solid earnings growth for this year, especially as we just coming off, you know, multiple quarters in a row of negative earnings growth. Um, so I want to see in the aggregate that the numbers are actually backing that up and that we are actually tracking the way we have historically. And as long as that's true, then I then I'm gonna feel pretty good about I'm gonna feel pretty good about the earnings season overall. So for me, it's it's more of an aggregate than an individual stock at this at this point. Um I mean, there are obviously, you know, there, there are some interesting in, individual stocks. I'm, I'm curious to see how Alphabet does. Yeah, I mean, only because it's been one of the stocks that's held up best of the large technology companies. So I want to see, I'm, I'm curious to see what they report. But you know what? generally speaking, I'm, I'm more interested in the aggregate. Yeah, just on Google, I, I will say I, I'm kind of fascinated by, um, well, you're right. It, it has held up much better than expected. One of the data points that I track is the global search engine market share data. Right. And if you think earlier this year when there was talk about, oh, Microsoft's going to embed AI into Bing. Um, Todd, have you switched over to Bing yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not giving up my Google. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the monthly data, Google has really held on to its um, market share. And, and most shifts have been outside of um, Google and outside of, you know, Microsoft pick, has picked up a little bit, but that's more been from, generally speaking, other players. And the thing there, Todd, too, is the economy is holding better up than expected. You know, my the one thing I, I, I wonder is, are companies going to start to kind of believe that a little bit? and maybe loosen the purse strings on some spending, particularly like discretionary spending, advertising, that sort of thing. Or, or are they gonna take the comment like Elon Musk made last night on the Tesla earnings call? He's like, oh, I'm uncertain about the macro environment. I, I, I don't know if we're gonna do a plant in Mexico. Um, because as you know, that tends to have a self-fulfilling nature. And if more CEOs are still cautious you know, that that could be, you know, that could result in the eventual slowdown or not eventual slowdown, but certainly slower growth. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think Powell wants to see that. I mean, just based on Powell's conversation today at, in New York, I mean, we, he he wants to see weakness in jobs. And he wants to see a little bit more weakening in the economy than what we're seeing right a now. A little bit more. Yeah, to what show weakening, what weakening in the economy, you know, but that but that's the funny thing, though, too. And I'll I'll. Well, I'll Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just no, going to say, I mean, the first two quarters weren't very great. Let me say it. Let me say it. It's it's interesting because, you know, here we're looking at the Atlanta Fed GDP numbers, whatever, 5.4 percent. But I, I think about what you said earlier, Todd, which is um, the PMI numbers, right? Manufacturing contracting services has cooled, still growing, but not nowhere near what it was. And yet the GDP reading for the quarter is the best it's been all year. That's that is a head scratcher, is it not? It is a head scratcher. If you had asked me if I expected 5% growth in GDP this quarter, I would have said no. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected it, but you know, if you trace back the Atlanta Fed numbers, you know, they they started off strong and they've gotten stronger. But what what's interesting, and I was going back and forth with Bob Lang on this, you know, there are other GDP forecasts out there. I think the Cleveland Fed has one. And I think the New York Fed has jump-started its now-casting model, which, for what it's worth, uh, has had always been my preferred uh, GDP model. Um, I, I thought they, they just did a much, much better job on putting the data together, and I was sorry to see that they had discontinued it for a while, but my understanding is now it's back. And I, I don't think they see uh, some of the, I don't see they, let me stop. Stop reverse, as Willy Wonka once said. Uh, I don't think they see 5.4%, but I also think their last updates were before some of the more recent data that we got. So we'll, we'll have to see what they say. Yeah, my, my, I wouldn't be, I think that anything that we got though, I mean, even if we came in at 3%, that would be higher than I would have expected given the prior two quarters. So, and then if you, if you can pull 5% EPS growth year over year, which I do think is, I mean, it's, it would be a stretch, but I think it's possible. Um, wow. Okay, that's that's a very different look than maybe people were talking about in February or March of 2023. And again, maybe that's one of the things that the market was pricing in, and one of one of the reasons it rallied so sharply in the first six months of the year. The market was smarter than uh, the economists. Seven stocks, Todd. Seven stocks. Um, so let me let me ask you here, just as we we uh, to put a pin in this last question. October 19th, um, I do believe, if memory serves correctly, that the fact set consensus EPS forecast for 2024, Todd, are up over 11% year over year compared to 2023. Um, you know, 
I always take that very skeptically, um, you know, and there's some reasons to think that that could be, in my opinion, a little optimistic. We'll see. We're going to get a lot more data between now and then um, that'll help us understand that. But as we sit here today, Todd Campbell, are you buying 11% EPS growth next year? No, but I am buying better than the EPS growth we saw in 2023. Uh, yeah, that's like 2% at best, maybe 1%. Exactly. So right. directionally, again, earnings are going to be better in 2024 than they were in 2023. And I think right. that is a, a net positive for stocks. Hang on. Let me write that down. Todd Campbell, October 19th. Market. Oh, better. In the books. All right. We'll see if that turns out to be one of your green shoots, Todd. Thank you again for joining me. Uh, always love our conversations. Today was a little more spirited, but you know what? That's the way it goes. Uh, so everyone, thanks for joining. Be sure to check out Todd and what he's doing with smarts. And uh, I hope you guys also turn around and check out what we're doing at AAP as well. A lot of fun stuff over there. A lot of great insights, not only just from me, but the other AAP team members. That's Helene Meisler, uh, Carly Garner, uh, Bobby Lang, and of course, the one, the only Helene Meisler. Be sure to check us out.